Please turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John chapter 16, I'll read verses 12 through 15. And Jesus says in verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine, and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine, and will disclose it to you. We've been considering in our recent sermons a very important question for us as believers, which is, what is the heart of Jesus toward us now that he has been exalted into heaven and we are still on this earth below in this world of sin and trouble? And it is a most important question because he is not with us now We do not see him in his physical presence. And if we are to know him and have fellowship with him, then we must have right thoughts of him and we must understand how he looks down upon us now. And without this, we will not be able to draw near to him as we should. We will not be able to trust him and rely upon him and cast our cares and our troubles Upon him as our great Savior. Sometimes we hear of a person who has grown up in a very poor and destitute condition, and then he manages to escape his situation of poverty and he rises to a high position in life. Perhaps he becomes a man of great wealth and riches, a leader in his nation, perhaps a king of his nation. And the question is, Will he remember those with whom he grew up? And will he remember those he once knew when he was in that state of poverty? Or will he forget all about them? This is the question we're answering in regard to our Lord Jesus, because he did come into this world in a very poor and humble condition. We have the record of his life of poverty and trials in the gospel. He suffered and was humbled even to the greatest extent, even to the death of a cross under the wrath of God to take away our sins. But now Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he has been exalted into heaven to the very highest place of glory and riches and honor and dominion, power, glory has been given to him, and he is the highest of the kings of the earth, And he is at the right hand of God in heaven this morning. And so the question is, is his heart toward us? What is his heart toward us now that he is in the glory of heaven? We are his disciples still in the midst of our struggles, our warfare, in the darkness sometimes, and much trouble in this world. And what we have begun to see is that he has not in any way forgotten about us. But his thoughts are many toward us. Each one of us, each day, his thoughts toward us are more than the sand upon the seashore, and they are all thoughts of love, affection, and goodwill toward us. Even though he sits now on the throne of heaven in a world so very different from where we are here, his love, his compassion, And his great concern for us is the same now as it has ever been. This is what John is really telling us here in this upper room discourse. Then throughout these chapters, chapter 13 through chapter 17 of John's gospel, Jesus is looking forward to his departure out of this world and his return to his heavenly father. And John tells us in chapter 13 and verse 1, Jesus 
knowing these things that were before him, he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. And this is what Jesus is disclosing to his disciples throughout this discourse that even when he is exalted back into heaven, he will still have this great love and affection for his people on earth. The disciples were filled with great distress and sorrow when they heard of his departure. But Jesus told them that it was for their ultimate good because he would go to his father's house where there were many dwelling places and there he would prepare a place for them and that's what he's doing now in heaven, preparing a place for us. And if he prepares a place for us, then he will come again and receive us to himself that we may be with him there. And then he tells his disciples and promises them that when he ascends to his father in heaven, that he will ask them, ask him for another helper, even the Holy Spirit. And the father will give this helper, this another helper, just like Jesus, with all of the same grace, compassion and power and wisdom. And the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in us. He will give us better comfort. And he will give us more help than the physical presence of Jesus could ever give to us because the Holy Spirit will dwell in us and he will be with us forever, even to the end, and bring us to eternal life. The whole ministry of Jesus will continue in this most astonishing way in the presence and the ministry of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, whom he will send. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you by my Holy Spirit. And so a great part of the continuing love of Jesus for us is found in the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are looking at these verses here in John chapter 16, which have to do with the coming Holy Spirit. Jesus said back in verse 7 of this chapter that it is to our advantage that he goes away. For if he does not go away, the helper will not come. But if he goes, he will send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to us. The Puritan Thomas Goodwin wrote in his book entitled The Heart of Christ, he wrote concerning this continuing ministry of Jesus toward us by the Holy Spirit. He said, The Holy Spirit is the earnest and down payment of heaven and the greatest token and pledge of Christ's love that ever was. The Holy Spirit, the greatest token and pledge of the love of Christ to us. And then he said, It is as if Jesus was saying to us, He will comfort you better than I should do With my bodily presence, all the comfort that he shall speak to you will be the expression of my heart toward you. I will send him to execute my place to you, and he will tell you, if you will listen to him and not grieve him, he will tell you nothing but stories of my love. In our last message, we looked at how The Holy Spirit will come and convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment in verses 8 through 11. This morning, we pick up our passage here at verses 12 and following, and we will take our time to learn whatever lessons we can from these words, because they are most important words. These are the last words among the last words of Jesus, his parting words to his disciples before he leaves them and goes back to his heavenly father. The overall theme of these verses here is the continuing teaching ministry of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. He will ascend back into heaven. He will no longer be able to teach them as he had before, but he will not leave them without his word. And he will not leave them without his love and comfort. He will continue to teach them by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, even when he ascends back into heaven. We may divide our 
passage here this morning, we will look at verse 12, and then the beginning of verse 13 this afternoon, and we may see this morning two points from our passage here, especially in verse 12, where we see the many things that Jesus still has to say to his disciples, and then we see the weakness of the disciples, and in verse 13, the grace and teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, as he will send the Holy Spirit to inspire the scriptures and to teach his people all the truth. So this morning we look at the many things that Jesus has to teach his disciples. In verse 12, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Many more things he has I to say to you, he says. We may think of the great truths Jesus has already taught his disciples throughout his public ministry from the very beginning to the end. Back in the beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus went up upon the mountain and all of his disciples, great many, a great multitude, was with him, and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he went on to teach that great sermon on the mount. And for more than three years, he went throughout Judea and Galilee, from city and village to city and village, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. Early in the morning, we read of Jesus that he would go out and find a lonely place, and there he would pray. And he would be in fellowship with his heavenly Father, and his heavenly Father would give him the words that he was to speak even that very day. This is what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 50 in verse 4. Jesus said there, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me, my heavenly Father. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. And so the Father would teach Jesus every day what he was to speak. And Jesus himself said, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Sometimes he would speak in parables. Other times he would speak very plainly, but he always spoke the truth. He spoke the truth of who he is as the Son of God who has come down from heaven. He spoke the truth of human sin and what sin has done in bringing darkness upon the human mind and soul. He spoke the truth of his cross, the only way back to the Father and the only way of forgiveness and reconciliation. He spoke the truth of his second coming and the last day and the world to come in heaven and in hell forever. The words of Jesus were the explanation, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. They were living words. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. And they were the words of eternal life, as Peter said, to whom else can we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Many Magnificent, precious promises were spoken by Jesus already throughout his public ministry with his disciples. And all of his words were words of salvation for their welfare, that they might walk in the light as he was in the light himself, that they might have comfort and peace and might make their way safely on the narrow way that leads to eternal life. We see how often Jesus was patient with his disciples. He tenderly bore with them in the midst of their dullness of understanding. He labored for their instruction day after day. 
And Sabbath after Sabbath in the synagogues and then month after month for three years, Jesus had taught them every day the things that he had to say to them. And we might think that after all that he has taught them, after the volumes of truth that he has spoken to them, that he would have nothing more to say to them at this point. His parting words to them at this Last Supper would be something like this. I have been with you so long, and now I am leaving you, and I have spoken to you everything that I wish to say to you, and I have nothing more that I must say. But that is not what we find here in verse 12. And the reason is, is because his heart is so full and large with love toward them. He says to them, I have many more things to speak to you. Love always desires to speak to the one loved. And so it is with Jesus and his disciples. Love always communicates. And love always has more to say, more words of comfort, more words of love and encouragement in the midst of any need. Words are the evidence of love. When there are no words between people, There is only silence. There can be no love there. But when there are many words, and they are words of comfort, love, affection, they are words of truth and hope and words of promise, then we know that there is love there. Words are the evidence and the proof of love. And so it is here with Jesus. This is what he is saying. This, my heart of love is so great that even now as I am about to ascend into heaven and even when I arrive upon my glorious throne in heaven, I will still have many things to say to you. The God of the Bible is the God who speaks. And the fact that he has spoken to us in his book, the Bible, is evidence of his heart of love toward us. This is what we have in the Bible, God's word to us in both Old and New Testaments. It is the revelation of his mind. It is the unveiling of his will and his heart to us to show us his glory and to show us the way of salvation The highest revelation of God is found in the person of his beloved son, Jesus, who is the word, the revelation of God. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We often think of the love of God as seen in the cross of Jesus. And it is right that we do so because that is the preeminent and the most glorious expression of the love of God toward us. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave, God loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. But we cannot forget that the love of God is also seen in that he would speak to us who are sinners. That he would send his word to us in scripture. And ultimately, that he would send his final word in his beloved son, Jesus. We are the ones who have so greatly offended him by our sins. And yet he still has love toward us that he would speak to us. And this is what we see here with our Lord Jesus, his continuing heart of love toward us. I have many more things to speak to you. John said back in John chapter 1 and verse 18 that no man has seen God at any time. 
the only begotten God, the Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. We may think of the three offices of Jesus as the prophet, the priest, and the king of his people. He is our king in that he subdues our hearts to himself and rules over us. And he defends us and he conquers all of his and our enemies. He is our priest in his once offering up of himself on the cross to satisfy God's justice against our sins. And he is our prophet as well by revealing the will of God to us for our salvation by his Holy Spirit and in the scriptures. This is what Jesus is speaking of here, his office as the great prophet of his church in which he speaks and he has spoken many things, but he still continues to speak his words, his promises of love to his disciples. I have many more things, I have many more words of love and comfort that I must speak to you. We may equate the words of Jesus with his heart of love toward us. His love is expressed in his words. His words come, all of them, from his heart of love toward us. He is saying, I have already spoken so many things of my love toward you, but now I have many more words. I am so full of love that as I ascend to my Father back in heaven, I have not spoken all things to you. I have many more things, many more words of love and promise to you. There is a progressive nature in the revelation of God in the scriptures. He spoke many things to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He spoke more truth to Moses in the giving of the law and in the Pentateuch. And then he spoke even more truth to David in the Psalms and to the prophets in the rest of the Old Testament scripture. And now, last of all, he speaks to us in his beloved Son, in Jesus Christ, who is the Word himself. And so there is this progress in the revelation of God throughout history. God is love and his love is seen to us in his word, especially most wonderfully in ways that are exceeding and abundantly beyond anything that we could ever ask that he would send his beloved son to speak to us. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. In these last days, God has spoken to us in his son, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He is the image of the invisible God. But even within the ministry of Jesus, there is also a progressive nature of his revelation. Because there are many things that he has already spoken. But there are still many more things that he still has to speak. To us. We might wonder why has God given us 66 books in the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. So many thousands upon thousands of words given to his people over many hundreds of years. He has spoken all of these things from his throne in heaven. Could he not have summed up everything that we need to know for our salvation in a much shorter way? No doubt he could have. But that would have not fully expressed his heart of love toward us. Love must speak to the one who is loved. And so God must give us an entire Bible and breathe out every word from his heart of love in heaven toward us. And this is what lies behind these words of Jesus here. His heart of love that will continue even as he ascends to his throne in heaven. I will have many more things, he says, to speak to you. 
When he says, I have many more things to say to you, it becomes clear in verse 13 that he will continue to speak these things by the Holy Spirit from heaven. In verse 13 he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And this has special application to the apostles. In the writing of the New Testament, as the apostles were inspired to write the New Testament scripture, but these words also have a continuing application to all believers in our hearing and reading of the scripture. The Spirit gave the word to the apostles by inspiration, and they wrote those words in the New Testament. But the Spirit comes to us as well as his disciples, now who have the completed revelation. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives fresh life and power to the word in our hearts. He continues to open our minds and give us light and understanding. And we continue to hear the voice of Jesus as he speaks to us in the scriptures. He has ascended into heaven. He has many more things to speak to us. To the apostles, he inspired the New Testament scriptures. To us, he continues to speak. I have many more things to say to you. And he continues to say them to us in the pages of the scripture. This is what he is saying to all of his church for all time. He is thinking of his ascension back into heaven. And when I am there, I will still have many more things to say to you. And when I arrive in heaven, that is what I will do. I will continue to speak to you because I continue to have such love and affection, and concern for my disciples on earth. I will continue to speak to them my word by the Holy Spirit from heaven. He has loved his own who were in the world, and he will love them to the end in this way. But though at this time, At the Last Supper, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus still has so many more things to say to his disciples. Yet now we come to our second point this morning, which is the weakness or the incapacity of his disciples. He has so many more things to say to them, but he could not say them to them at the present time because of the incapacity of his disciples, the inability of his disciples to receive them. As we see at the end of verse 12, he says, but you cannot bear them now. The word bear here, you cannot bear them now, is often used of carrying a burden. And the word is used in John chapter 19 and verse 17 where it is used in regard to Jesus himself carrying his cross. John said there that he went out bearing his own cross, the same word, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull. The word is used by Paul in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, where Paul says that we should bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Here, the word is used figuratively to speak of words as if they themselves are the burden. Any further teaching from Jesus would only be a burden upon them at this time. It would be too much for them. They would not be able to receive any more instruction from him, they would not be able to cope with it or take in any more. We may understand this in several ways. We may first understand that they were not able to receive or bear any more teaching from Jesus at this time because the events of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, those events had not yet taken place. 
And those things must occur before they could receive any more instruction concerning them. We may also understand here that they were not able to receive any more teaching from Jesus because their understanding of what he had already taught them was not sufficient for them to even receive any more. This is the way it is often in any kind of learning, even learning of natural things. Jesus spoke to them as children. And whenever we speak to children, we know that there are things that they do not understand and are not able to receive as children. An infant must drink milk before he can eat solid food. A child must learn the alphabet before he can learn how to read. And the same thing is true for us even as adults because of the weakness, the natural weakness of our minds that we can only grasp things bit by bit, a little now and a little later. And we must receive one level of understanding before we can receive a higher level of understanding. And if this is true, as we all know from our own experience that it is, if it is true in regard to the knowledge of natural and earthly things, then how much more is it true in regard to spiritual things? Because in ourselves we are incapable of understanding any divine truth unless the Holy Spirit comes and teaches it to us. These disciples were believers here, and they had already received the Holy Spirit, but they had not yet received the fullness of the Spirit because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had not yet ascended. And so until that took place, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came in all of his fullness, grace, and power. Until that time, they would not be able to bear any more teaching from Jesus. The same kind of things are true for us often. That we must, all of us, we must come to grips with the elemental truths of the gospel before we can receive the more mature doctrines of the Christian life. And how often the disciples were slow and dull in their hearing. Jesus had to say to them only moments before in this upper room discourse back in John chapter 14 when Philip asked the question, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus had to say to them, have I been so long with you and yet You have not come to know me, Philip. And sometimes we read the gospel records and we marvel at how slow the disciples were to learn from Jesus. But the very same thing is true for us at times, how slow we are to receive the things of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit alone must be the one who comes and puts these things in our hearts. The apostles had to complain at times about the dullness of believers in the church letters. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 that Paul said to them, he said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able, you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, You are not yet able. The Corinthians were believers. They had been saved. But because of their carnality, Paul had to say to them a similar thing. You are not yet able to receive these things. And we find the same thing in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. Where the apostle says concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. 
And so it is a similar kind of thing that Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, partly because of the natural weakness of the human mind to receive more things, partly because of the dullness and the slowness of their spiritual understanding. They had not sufficiently grown in the things that he had already taught them, so they were not able to receive more things from him at this time. They had experience as Christians, but they must grow and they must develop by further experience before they will be able to receive these things. We must digest one level of truth before we can be given another. We must grow before we can receive more. And that's the sense in which it seems Jesus speaks these things here. So the words of verse 12 and verse 13, they have a special application to the apostles in relation to the ministry of Jesus among them and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Spirit in the scriptures that he will give when he comes, but they also have some applications to us this morning, and we'll conclude our time with three applications from what we have considered. And the first thing that we can say here that we see is a lesson regarding the wise counseling of others what we see here in Jesus' words in verse 12 and the beginning of verse 13 is a lesson regarding the wise counseling of others. Jesus was really counseling his disciples on this last night in this upper room discourse. This is all his counsel and his word to his disciples. And pastors are counselors, and all the people of God are counselors in one way or another. Whenever we witness the gospel to unbelievers, we are counseling them in the word of God. Whenever we try to help others to understand more of the word and the scriptures, we are counseling them. We give advice to them. We are counselors just like Jesus was on this occasion. And it is true that we should always seek to say all that we can on any given occasion. But there are times when we must recognize what Jesus recognized here. That it is true for us as well that there may be many things that we could say. But those to whom we speak them, they are not able to bear them at the present time. These disciples had many errors. They had misconceptions of who Jesus, the Messiah, of who the Messiah would be because of the prevailing views of their times, because of the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. They thought Jesus would be an earthly king with a temporal kingdom. It is a rather remarkable thing that after three years of the instruction of Jesus so close to these disciples that they still had these misconceptions in their minds and they still could not understand the spiritual nature of his kingdom. We marvel at it. But so it is often with people today. Many are in darkness unconverted, and they have no light whatsoever, and perhaps they have never even seen or read a Bible and never been in the doors of a church. Others who have, their minds are often filled with false teaching, and their thoughts are cluttered up with all kinds of error from the Scripture in one way or another. And as we counsel and meet with them, we may have many things that we could say to them. But depending on their situation and the particular individual to whom we speak and the circumstances in which they are, we may have many things to speak to them, but they cannot bear them at the present time. And the power is not in us. 
or in our ability to speak to them, the power to take the truth and put it into their minds is only by the Holy Spirit. And so while we speak what we can, we cannot illuminate their minds, and we must trust in the Holy Spirit to give them understanding, as he alone can do. These disciples here, they could not say that we have not had a good enough teacher in divine things and in the things of God. We have not had a good enough teacher, and that's why we don't understand things the way that we should. They could not say that because they had the very best of all teachers. They had Jesus Christ himself. But even Jesus himself speaking the word to them day after day could not illuminate their minds and give them the understanding that they truly needed. The best outward means are of no advantage unless the Holy Spirit comes and gives the understanding. And so we must ask for the wisdom that we need to know what we can speak in any given circumstances And we must always be praying for the Holy Spirit to bless the word and make it real and effectual in their hearts. We see how Jesus so patiently bore with them here. He said, I have many more things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them now. It is really similar to what Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 4 and verse 5. When he said, conduct yourself yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. And it is what we read of in Proverbs 25 and verse 11. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. A second lesson that we learn from this passage is that Jesus always has more to say to us from the scriptures. Jesus always has more to say to us from the scriptures. He inspired the scriptures through the apostles. And now we have the written scriptures and Jesus continues to speak to us today in his word. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And we hear his voice as he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit in the scripture. And he can always say to us today, as he said to his disciples this night, I have many more things to say to you. There are always new truths for us to learn from the scripture that we must grow in. We never come to the place in the Christian life where we have arrived and we have learned all that there is to learn, it can never be because the Spirit is an infinite mind who has inspired the Scriptures, and it is impossible for us to ever grasp everything that he has said. There are always new truths and new horizons in the knowledge of the things that Jesus can disclose to us in the Scripture. There is always more light to shine upon our minds. There is always more comfort to our souls. There are always clearer and fuller views of Christ as the Son of God. His mystery, the mystery of his incarnation, his coming down from heaven into this world as a man. The glory of his righteousness and his perfect life of holiness in which there was no sin. His death upon the cross that takes away all of our iniquity. His resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation, his power and glory in heaven. There is no end to what we can learn of Jesus. 
Paul said to the Corinthians, God, Christ rather has become to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And Paul said the word of the cross, it is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Sometimes we receive a deeper understanding of things that we already know. Sometimes old truths that we have known for years, they come to us with more power. They come to us with fresh light. And we can trust God more in his promises. And we have more confidence for the future and for the hope that is before us. There is always more strength, encouragement that we can receive from the teaching of Jesus. There is always more from us, from him. And that's what he is saying in this verse to us this morning. As he sits on his throne in heaven, he would say the very same thing to each and every one of us here. I have many more things to say to you in the pages of the completed scripture. But then we close our time this morning in that there is a warning here for us as well. And the warning is that our spiritual dullness can hinder us from receiving the truth. This is really what verse 12 is all about. Jesus has many more things to say to us. In the scripture, the problem is not with him and his lack of Things to say, the problem lies with us in our ability to receive these things. And so he says here, as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and following, in Hebrews chapter 5, you cannot bear these things. Spiritual dullness and coldness and sleepiness of our souls can creep over us bit by bit. Imperceptibly, we find ourselves in a place that we never thought we would be. Perhaps we become too entangled, excessively entangled in the things of the world. Inordinate desires after earthly things. Some area of disobedience in our lives that we are not dealing with as we should. Some remaining sin that we are unwilling to confront We do not spend time in prayer. We do not spend time in the scriptures, in the means of grace, in the public worship and the fellowship of the church. It is a tragedy. It is a tragedy when Christians fall into such things, into spiritual dullness and the loss of spiritual hunger. And it hinders them from receiving more light and more truth. From Jesus. Jesus can always say to us, I have many more things to say to you. And they are all things that are good for your spiritual strength and encouragement. But because of your spiritual dullness and your weakness at times, you are unable to receive them. And we ourselves are the losers in this regard because we lose so much comfort. And we lose so much truth and joy and encouragement, strength to our souls. We do not taste the goodness and the mercy of the Lord as we should. I have many more things to say to you, Jesus says, but you cannot bear them now. And so we must always be dealing with our sins and always repenting and always turning away from them always going to the cross to find forgiveness and cleansing, always praying to the Lord for the Holy Spirit to help us to open our eyes afresh to the wonderful things of his word. We must do as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, therefore, laying aside, laying aside all malice, all guile and hypocrisy, 
and envy and all slander, taking all your sins and laying them aside like an old filthy garment. Be done with them and lay them aside. And then he said, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And we should do the same thing as Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 2 regarding the knowledge of God in the scripture. He said, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and the knowledge and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. May we not be those who are searching for silver and gold and riches consumed in these things. May we be those who search for the true knowledge of God and are always ready to hear what Jesus says to us in the scripture. He will always say to us, I have many more things to say to you. May we always be those who say, Lord, your servant is ready, ready to listen. And may we be able to receive all that he speaks to us. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God, we thank you for your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is so full of love and affection for us, even on his throne of glory in heaven, that he still speaks to us, and he delights to have many more things to say to us in the word of the living God. Lord, be pleased, Lord Jesus, to take away everything that would hinder us, Take away every darkness, every love of sin, every evil thing that remains in us and give us the light and the grace of the Holy Spirit that we may be able to receive all that you have to say to us. We thank you for your great patience. We thank you for your kindness, your generosity, your great love that continues to speak to us from heaven. And Lord, we thank you that we may look forward to all that you have for us. Bless your word to us now and be with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.